If you're here for the first time, my name is Jeff, and I'm so glad that you are with us today. If you'll take your Bible, I'm going to ask you to find the book of Titus. The book of Titus. If you need direction on where that is, find Timothy and go right. And then you'll run into another Timothy, go one more. Table of contents is certainly not out of the question. We've been talking about the church. We've been talking about the big church, but kind of specifically the local church, and not just the importance of, and I'm not making a line dividing the two, but we need strong faith communities in order to change our neighborhoods and our families, our nation, amen. And I think sometimes that <clears throat> we can get a little off track, I, I know I can, in regards to the local church, how it relates to the, the big picture, the, the church, all that are saved by the glorious grace of Jesus Christ. And it's almost like we've made the local church kind of optional because of the reality of the big church. By that I mean, I know we, children's church, we call this big church. I'm talking about the church, the Church of Jesus Christ. And so I, I simply entitled this, Here Comes the Bride. We are the Bride of Christ. Amen. Amen. And we've taken our text out of 2 Corinthians. You don't have to turn there. I've got the actual section of this passage in your worship guide. I'd ask you to take that out and take notes as God speaks to you. I'm a firm believer that if God says something, it's worth writing down. Amen. Amen. Let's read together 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 through 6. You'll see it on the screen behind me. Your Bible says this. I hope you will put up with a little more of my foolishness. Paul says, please bear with me. Got some things he wants to say. I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. And this is where uh, it really got my attention and where I, 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 uh, what I pulled from to come up with the title. I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you, he, he promised to God, as a pure bride to one husband, Jesus Christ. Amen. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the Spirit. Now, how was Eve deceived? Eve was deceived by a twisting of God's Word. Yes. Eve was deceived by God said this, and the enemy came along and said, well, kind of. And that's, that's usually where it begins. It usually begins right here. Amen? I mean, it's like you're just, just a little 
he kind of said that, and then it, as you go forward, it widens until, well, you know what happens. So he's warning this church not to be deceived like Eve was deceived. You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach. Or a different kind of spirit than the one you received. Or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. But I don't consider myself inferior in any way to these super apostles. <laughs> I, just love, I just love that. Who teach such things. I may be unskilled as a speaker, but I'm not lacking in knowledge. We have made this clear to you in every way possible. Second Corinthians 1 through 6 of chapter 11. We're talking about the church. In week 1, we ask the question, is the church necessary? We, we dug into the Word and established absolutely the local church is necessary. In week number 2, we ask who's calling the shots? So if the church is necessary, and it is, are we calling the shots? Is God calling the shots? Because if we're calling the shots, we might as well just sell the building and, I don't know, go fishing. I ain't been fishing in a while. Let's go fishing. But God should be the one calling the shots because Jesus is on the throne. Can I get an amen? amen. I don't trust me to call the shots. I don't trust you to call the shots. I trust God. I know you do too. Last week we asked the question, what are some obvious characteristics of a Holy Spirit-controlled church. We kind of ran through some, from Scripture, some obvious things you can recognize when a church is letting Jesus drive and they're not taking over control. And what's, what's the comments that I've had for the most part about this series so far is, One, one, one person, not even a member of Living Water, listened to the podcast and, and said, I've read those verses that you've used in previous weeks over and over again, but I didn't see how they pointed towards the church. How it was really speaking about the church. And I, 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 I didn't write it. I didn't, um, I didn't twist it to make my point so that the series is successful, quote, unquote. These verses have always been in the Bible. We've just, in many cases, made it say what we want it to say. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. We've used our own interpretation. This week I want to turn a corner and I want to take... A couple of weeks, because I won't get done this week. Maybe this week and next, and I want to speak to an important element of the church, capital C, but a much needed element in the local church, and that is church leadership. So today, I want us to unpack the question, do we need appointed leaders? Do we need appointed leaders in the church? Do we need it? Well, it happened a lot 
post-cross. There were even folks that were set apart pre-cross. But we'll, 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 we'll just talk about the New Testament because I know you're more comfortable with that. So we, we, we can go to the New Testament and see that there are many, many examples that you may not have realized that were talking about appointing, uh, setting apart. You get the idea. And, and, and sending out, etc., etc. And there was laying on of hands and different things they would do before they would send someone out. And Paul wrote to a young minister by the name of Titus. Are you in Titus chapter 1? If you need a Bible, there should be one in the seat in front of you. If there's not, if you don't own a Bible, let somebody with an Ask Me badge know. I love it when we get those cards that say, I don't own a Bible. Or someone from the Impressions team lets me know that someone needs a Bible. Man, I I get stoked about that because I, I love to provide the Word of God to those who do not have it. And you're like, everybody's got a Bible. Not so much. Not so much. So if you need a Bible, let us know. It would be our honor to get you a a nice leather-bound Bible. Now, now I'm not just getting you a new Bible because you want a new Bible. This is for those who don't have a Bible. (laughs) Or if you want a new Bible, let let Rob know. Um, Titus chapter 1. Let's drop down to verse 5, please. He's talking to a man named Titus. For this reason, and you've got to read the first part. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. I'm going to read it again. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city that I commanded you. In the King James Version, I love the rendering of it. Instead of I commanded you, it says as I have appointed you. So the question we're asking is do we need appointed leaders? Obvious, the resounding answer is yes. 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 And today, we as a church have the honor of recognizing one of our own. Today, I'm, I'm, I'm just humbled, and uh, I mean, I've just thanked God so much, he's probably like, I get it, you, you appreciate, okay, relax. But today, we, we get to recognize and ordain one that has proven time and time and time again, not just his ability, but his love for Jesus. Not just his love for Jesus, but his dedication to the church. And not just his dedication to the church, but his sacrifice for his church, for living water. And his burden for those who need to know Jesus. Today, I'm going to preach a message And 
I'm going to be reminding all of us that even though we're going to read some interesting phrases regarding what many folks call qualifications, this is a template for every believer's life. In fact, in fact, we are warned in the Scripture, man, don't, 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 don't jump too quick to want to teach because you're going to be held at a higher standard. That's in your Bible. And today, as we go through this, I'm going to be giving you examples of why I feel such peace in ordaining chancy persons today. Because as we go through this, if you know him, this is kind of a no-brainer. Like legit. I'm not preaching this to convince you of the decision. I'm not preaching this so you get on board with what I'm, I'm not. That's not... The, no, decision's already made. I, the, the reality, though, is we need reminded on what we need to do as spiritual leaders. We need reminded of what we should be looking for. Remember our verse. He, Paul was concerned that people would come in and teach a false teaching and the people wouldn't even know it. And, and that's a big deal. So we need folks that are established and ready to stand up, as we talked last week, to stand up and speak out. But also, it can't just be anyone. A a amen. Amen. See, see, a lot of times, churches and myself, and if you've been in church very long, if you've been a leader in a church... Maybe a pastor, youth pastor, whatever, volunteer. You'll know that these conversations have been had. You'll, you'll hear someone say, man, this is like really super important. We, we can't send. And then that person just popped into your head. And then that same thing can be said, man, this is really super important. We have to send. And that's why I'm so excited today. We are going to read verses 6 through 9. And it'll be me talking to you, but really it's me and Chancey sitting in a coffee shop having a conversation. I love you, buddy. Don't we love the persons? <clears throat> hey, what, what year did you guys first come? 2008. 2008. Man, you hung in there that long? I haven't ran you off yet. And you're either saints or... Right on, right on. Hey, man, we're so blessed to have you guys. Your family is such an encouragement. 
I, I can't even, I, I need to stop, okay? We need to move on. So we got Paul talking to Titus while he's in, he's being sent to a place called Crete. And there was a successful church plant that happened there. Uh, a, a lot of this data, outside of the scripture, obviously, man, is, is historical data. It is in history books. It, it's in um, Josephus wrote it. Historians wrote about it. But it's, it's like common knowledge, but you got to look for it. And sometimes we don't because it, you know, we're, in, we're in our own box here in America and we only know about 200 plus years worth of history. There's other parts of the world. You're welcome. He was sent there to serve and build stable churches by identifying leaders. This is important. Paul is sending Titus to do a very important job, and that is to identify and appoint leaders to do what needed to be done to get these churches successful. Paul couldn't be everywhere at the same time. Amen. Paul told Titus to set in order the things that are lacking. Set in order the things that are lacking. That phrase is a, a medical term, and if you're interested, because I love these kinds of things, it literally means to break a crooked limb and reset it. And so Titus needed to find individuals that had the wherewithal and the quote-unquote qualifications to be able to do that and keep themselves out of the way. So he had to give Titus some reference points, if you will. He was supposed to appoint elders, and that word elder is used many, many times in the New Testament. It's describing, uh, uh, he uses elder, he uses bishop. The word elder is describing the maturity, if you will, necessary in church leaders. Amen. Studied, they show themselves approved. Amen. These elders were not chosen by popular vote. This is where I'm going to start preaching, right here. Um, I, have, I have a lot of conversations about this with, with folks, especially when they're new to L-dubs, because, because I don't create voting situations because someone has to lose. And... Every church I've been in growing up and across the country that has had a voting type situation, it was either uh, someone with the title of deacon or, or whatever it was titled in, in the, the equivalent of, they would ultimately make the decision based on the number of votes. Well, there's some folks that are highly qualified that you, you, you don't even see every Sunday. You don't hear them every Sunday. See, it's not a popularity contest. Amen. It's also not gained through self-promotion. Can I get an amen? amen? Appointed. 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 
one church uh, Miss Kim and I were affiliated with. In fact, I was a youth pastor there. And sitting in a staff meeting, they announced we're going to have the deacons meeting tonight, and you guys need to be there. And I used to go to deacons meetings with my daddy. And I'm not, I ain't throwing off on, on deacons, man. I, I promise I'm not. I'm telling my story. And, and it was interesting, man. These, these old dudes were, and I was little. I was young. I can say old. Now, they weren't that, that old, but, but, but back then they were old. Um, and it usually didn't go well. Someone would always be trying to sway the other side of the table in a particular direction. Now, maybe, maybe we just got it all wrong. Maybe, I, I, I don't know. That's probably not your experience at your church, and that's awesome. But he also said, Sunday we are going to put in the bulletin the names of some men that we have decided are eligible. And we are going to tell the congregation to, there's a place at the bottom, appropriated part of the bottom of the bulletin, where you would write in the name of one of those people, you'd rip it off, and you'd put it in the offering plate when it came by. Even most of the men that were on that list hated that. Because it feels weird. It, it isn't an appointing. It, it's who's the most charismatic and can have the most attention put on themselves and win a popularity contest. I'm not down with that. And that's not the way we roll specifically. So Titus was given a list to go by, a series of descriptions, if you will. Spiritual leaders should be chosen because they meet these qualifications. It's awesome when God chooses a man and a woman and, and, and they are called. Amen. Amen. It's awesome. But the most important thing to look for is not just that they're called um, it, they can be called, but it may not be time to go. Yeah. They could be called, but it may not be. Remember David? Yeah. Okay, so that's, you, get the, you get what I'm talking about. You, you can be called, you can be set apart, but it ain't time yet. Yeah. We are to be slow in identifying and appointing leaders. Furthermore, the following text that we're going to read it defines that leadership has nothing to do with giftedness. Paul didn't tell Titus to find the ones who had the most gifts, who flowed the most in their gift. He was looking for character. These are character issues here. Developing character takes time and it takes a real relationship with Christ. Amen. Listen, I'm not against it, so don't mishear me. If you mishear me, you've missed the whole point. Going to seminary doesn't make one qualified for spiritual leadership. I mean, that's awesome if you want to go. I mean, knock yourself out. I'll point you in the direction of some I believe are very good. 
Being a great communicator doesn't qualify you for spiritual leadership. Natural talents or gifts, they don't qualify you for spiritual leadership. What one gives at the time of offering doesn't qualify you for spiritual leadership. Don't raise your hand. How many have seen that? What qualifies a person for spiritual leadership is proven godly character and godly character established according to this clear criteria. And it's just one of other places in the scripture that it's used. So read with me, please, verses 6 through 9 in 1 Timothy. And then we are going to quickly mogate through this, as Daddy would say. Your Bible says this beginning in verse 6. If a man is blameless... The husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of dissipation or insubordination. I kind of rapped that. Did you hear that? That was awesome. Reggie, sign me up, bro. Joshua, where you at? If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of dissipation or insubordination. For a bishop must be blameless. (laughs) That's scary. Uh, as a steward of God, listen, listen to these. Not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but, here's some things, hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine. In other words, by using this book, he would be able to both exhort and convict those who contradict. Pause. Got to clarify something. Not contradict with the preacher. Not contradict with himself. Contradict this word. My opinion doesn't matter. I'll let you finish that sentence. And before we go too far, we got to define bishop. Bishop literally translated means overseer. An overseer. Bishop Jeff. I don't, I just, I don't, I don't sound right, but that's cool. Um, let's also remember that this isn't a rigid list. Because we're not searching for perfection. Can I get an amen? Amen. And I believe as believers, this should be a list that we all should be striving to live according to. But it is definitely descriptions of someone who is to be a spiritual leader in the church. Amen. Finally, these qualifications are Something that they are indicators of proven godly character. I, I was challenged even as I read them. It's an indicator of spiritual maturity. It can give a true measure of a man or a woman's faith. In other words, I want us to use this list as a training guide for ourselves. And, now get this, because we, we all should have a Paul and we all should have a Timothy. So we all should be being mentored and we should be Discipling others. Amen. So, so, so this is a, a good list for people who are trying to figure out. Because, because 
somebody who's saved and, and, and for the first time, the first thing that comes to their mind is what, what, what am I allowed, what am I not allowed? And, and, and it's not a book of rules, it's a book of principles. And so if you start running down that trail of what you're not allowed to do, what you are allowed to do, well, you just went full on, busted through the guardrail into legalism land. But it is a good place to start conversation with a new believer. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. In your worship guide, you see the first thing it says is blameless. 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 This word literally means nothing to take hold upon. There must be nothing in the life of a leader that others can take hold of and attack his character or his churches. I'll say it again. There should be nothing in the life of a leader that someone can take hold of that is enables someone to truthfully bear out poor character with him, her, or the church. Blameless. A leader will be blamed. A leader will be blamed. Weapons will be formed against us. The word blameless, as I had it described to me, and it made sense, and it has stuck with me for 25 years, I don't know. It, it, true spiritual leaders must become Teflon. They can throw stuff at you all they want, but nothing will stick. Nothing will stick. I'll give you some quick examples. And my, if my family begins to laugh, it's because we're, getting, we're about to get real right now. Emails went out after particular folks left the church. Emails went out that I, I was going to prison. <laughs> I, I, I just wouldn't last long there. I, number one, I, you know, but I was going to prison and there was proof. And, you know, say your goodbyes now. I'm free still, but I'm on my way to prison. Miss Kim and I have been getting a divorce now for, <laughs> I don't know how many years. It kind of comes in waves. kind of comes in waves. A true spiritual leader must be blameless. You can't let that stuff derail you. You can't take that stuff those words, although they hurt and you wish it wasn't said, even though you're blamed, you are blameless. Secondly, it says in verse 6, must be a faithful husband. Your Bible says husband of one wife. Now, depending on your background, you've heard this explained probably different ways. And as you grow mature, uh, in maturity, in your walk with Jesus, you start figuring out, it doesn't say that, but the idea here is of a one-woman man, simply put, it's talking about being monogamous. I said it's talking about being monogamous. Listen, 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 listen. Help me preach this, okay? Because now, now hear this, okay? I'm amazed at the things that 
pastors can say God can't forgive. You can't do... My grandfather, the prime example, he wanted to become a church leader and, and the church said... He, and I was with him in the meeting. I, I was a little guy. I'm sitting with him. And he said, I, I want to... He wanted to be an usher. That's all he wanted to be. He wanted to be an usher. I'm not saying all like it does. Not important. But that's what he wanted to be. World War II veteran. A hero. And they told him straight up, you cannot because you've been divorced. And my grandfather said... Well, but I got, I got saved, and I, as sincere as he could be, he said, I got saved, I've been forgiven. Yeah. And, and they're like, yeah, but husband and one wife, and, and that's your wife for all of eternity. And then he said, classic, classic Jeff Burke move, if you wonder where I get it. Um, then he said this, so let me get this straight. This is verbatim. So let me get this straight. I can lay under that church bus out there seven nights a week to keep it running and drive it and go pick up kids. But I can't take up the offering. They look at each other and I'm like, you are the baddest dude. <laughs> so, so they look at each other no, 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 you can't. I'm going to give my grandpa some, some credit here because he continued to come to church. For a lot of people, that would have been the crash through the guardrail right there. He wasn't happy about it, didn't agree, but he honored his leaders. It is simply put that you should have one wife and not a cluster of them. <laughs> not a concubine, if you will. <laughs> As many did in that parts of the world in those days. Yes? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and history teaches, and I encourage you to study this, history teaches that Crete was literally out of control at this time. And that's the crowd that they attracted. They attracted polygamists. They attracted people that they didn't like who they had. They'd go get three others. And Paul is saying we are introducing now a new standard. We are introducing now a new moral that is infinitely higher than anything that they know or practice now because they have lost their moral compass. You've got to be a faithful husband. A faithful husband to one wife. Verse 6 goes on to say you've got to be a faithful father. I love this. You're, it says having faithful children not accused of dissipation or insubordination. The, the, the leader, the spiritual leader must have raised his children well. In the nurture and admonition of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. His ability to lead his family well is a good picture of his ability to leave God's family well. Amen. It's demonstrated by how he leads his home. 
Warren Wiersbe says something that I absolutely love. It's on the screen behind me. Read it with me. A wise father first wins his own family to Christ and then gives them a chance to grow before he pulls up stakes and moves to Bible school. We would have fewer casualties in the ministry if this policy were followed more often. <laughs> Go Warren. Dissipation and insubordination literally translated riotous or unruly. The devil may care attitude. Where the kids run the house. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Listen, let me take a moment here and be clear. There are some that believe if a man's whole family, you know, specifically grown children, aren't saved, that they are unqualified. Please hear me, that's not what this means. It means that the man who is appointed in the leadership should not have a reputation of running a loose house. I get weary of many of today's husbands and fathers not stepping up and leading their family. I grow weary. I've told you for three years, God has put a special burden on my heart for that. Men, shame on us for putting more on our wives than they should ever have to bear because we're slaves to a job. Shame on us. Shame on us for missing large chunks of our kids' lives because once the boss lets us come home, we're so fatigued and we can't put a sentence together. And God forbid that we leave the raising of the children to the mother and the mother alone. She's not designed to carry that. God called us to lead. We need faithful fathers, amen? We need faithful leaders appointed to the church. And they, 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 they shouldn't have children that live under the roof that are living riotous or unruly. Now don't misquote me. A man can't help what goes on in a ch child's heart. Are you with me? But he can help what goes on in his home. What, what needs to happen is we just need to do it. Are you with me? And you're like, so you just now, I'm going to have a bad week because you just told my husband that he's supposed to be in control of everything. That's not what I said. What I said was, a man can't control what goes on in his child's heart, but he can control what he allows in his house. And good spiritual leaders are faithful fathers. Verse 7 says they're not selfish. Your Bible says not self-willed. They show their self-willed nature in arrogance, stubbornness, and a proud self-focus. Can't do that. Can't be that. This disqualifies the man who is determined to have his own way in everything. Smith Wigglesworth, in speaking of this passage he was, it was actually a, a sermon I was listening to, or a, a, not Smith, Leonard Ravenhill, excuse me. Leonard Ravenhill, in speaking to this pastor, because he mostly spoke to church leaders, I was listening to it, and he's, you know, going through this, and he's, you know, kind of, I know he was talking over my head, uh, but, but he, was, and he finally said, you know, in his English accent, he said, let me just stop. He said, I'm going to step down here so that I can be in front of you. He said, 
Stop being bullheaded. He said, stop being bullheaded. And he said it like ten times until one guy said amen. And he said, you're eligible for spiritual leadership. (laughs) Now, I ain't saying that. (laughs) But if you've read anything or heard Ravenhill, you know that happened. (laughs) Oh, God help us. We don't need dictators in the home. We need fathers. And I know we all know the type. We, the men, they just argue about anything just for the win. Hey, I can speak to this because that was me. That was me. There was something in me that had to win. And it was my own lack of self-confidence. This is why you can't lead if you're driven by your emotions your opinion, or your personality. It's impossible. You'll crash. You'll burn. The Bible's got the final word on all things. Can I get an amen? Amen. And that means that Jeff ain't getting his way sometimes. And that's okay. Faithful fathers. Then in verse 7, a spiritual leader can't be easily angered. Your Bible says, not quick-tempered. Translated as, not soon or easily angered or upset. I love quick-tempered. It's got the negative connotation to it. If, 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 and and I've, you've heard my testimony. I, I, was, I was eat up. I had anger management issues that you have no idea. Thank God, and I, I thank Him regularly, and I'm humbled by the fact that he, he protected me, he protected my family, I never struck my wife, I never struck my children out of anger, but I had a fuse about this long. And my daddy fixed a lot of holes in my walls at home. How dumb is that? I would just break things. I had issues. If a man can't discipline himself and control his anger, how do you lead people? You won't. You'll drive people. You'll demand control. You'll demand it. If you've got a temper that you can't control, you've got a blemish on your character. And you need to let God deal with it. And you need to pray it through. You need to weep it through. Come on now. Until God delivers you. But, but listen, the... the Don't mistake this for a leader being apathetic. Don't mistake this for a a, a leader being blasé. Like, you know, whatever. I can't can't have an opinion or I can't say something because that's not what it says. I look for leaders with passion. I love being around people with passion. I don't care what they're passionate about. They're just better to be around than people that complain 100% of the time. Amen, preacher. I look for leaders with passion. That word temper is very interesting. A high quality of mind or spirit. Look up here at me. God did not take away my temper. Stay with me. God did not take away my temper. God took the devil out of my temper. 
He did not take away my temper. My, my daddy would say he, he was construction, owned his own company, built houses. And I never understood what it meant until I got older, but he would say, man, I got to temper these saw blades. Some of you know what that means. <laughs> I got to temper these saw blades or chisels or whatever. It's the quality of the steel lay in its temper. The quality of the steel lays in its temper. So a man with a good temper doesn't have to be spineless. He just has to be purified, sharpened, consecrated, sanctified, set apart. Are you with me? So that his temper isn't easily blown up so that the devil enters in. We all have a temper. The question is, is God driving or is the devil driving? I love, I love the fact that God tells us not to be quick-tempered. See, that, that's for all of us. Be, be slow to speak. Be quick to hear. Amen? Man, we need that. And then verse 7, continuing on, my favorite one, not a user of alcohol. You say, why aren't you your favorite? Because 100% of the time, I get asked this question. So let me just be clear. Maybe for the last time, hopefully. This is another way of saying not given to alcohol. There is so much controversy over this, and I don't understand it. The, the word, the phrase, rather, not given to wine, it consists of two Greek words. I'm not going to tell you because I'm not a Greek scholar. I just study a lot. And it's literally translated to say this, not beside, not by, or not at. Not beside wine, by wine, or at wine. You say, Jeff, where do you find... Vine's Dictionary, page 146. Robertson's Dictionary and Greek Word Study, page 613. Are we, are we good? Yeah, okay. See, see the, 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 the phrase is referring to abstinence, and it's calling for bishops and elders to be abstinent and consistent with the other principles, not only in this list, but in the Scriptures. Some translations say, and, in, and actually in other parts of the Bible, when you have these qualifications listed, it says not given to much wine. So that's usually what I hear is, so I, I can have it moderately. I can have it moderately. Not given to much wine. So moderate amounts are, are I'm, I'm golden well, I use the Bible as its own commentary and not the famous preachers. So when Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 7.17, do not be overly wicked, did he mean to imply that a person can be moderately wicked and have God's okay on it? Is this on? I'm, I'm going to check one, one. Peter said in 1 Peter 4.4, 4, uh, they, being the pagans, think it is strange that you don't run with them to the same excess of riot. Did he mean that moderate rioting is okay? 
Man, you're, you're, uh, see, now you're, and I don't, I'm not, this is not my intention, but now you're going to have to find another verse. You're going to have to find another excuse. The Bible can clearly and forthrightly condemn an excess indulgent or a greater amount of an action without implying that a lesser amount or lesser action is okay. Thank you, Jesus. I just refuse to take liberty with the scripture. I do. I, re I refuse to do it because it's controversial. I refuse to take liberty with the scripture. You and I cannot assume what is not okay in excess and what is okay in lesser amounts. We don't have that privilege as slaves to Jesus Christ. Verse 7 says, a good spiritual leader can't be violent. My translation said, not a striker. Not a striker. Now you got, you got to remember who he's writing to. He's telling Titus, Crete is out of control. In, in the case of the Cretans, a, 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 good, a, a good practice sometimes for them was if there was a disagreement, they would settle it. This history bears this out. They would settle it with their fists or weapons. Now, we've got to take that principle and move it to 2019. Are you still with me? I mean, I hope you ain't punched nobody's lights out today. I mean, don't tell me if you did. Or invite me first. Um, <laughs> no, seriously. The... Now, 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 now our, our fingers are the weapons. I get so frustrated with passive-aggressive Facebook posts. Don't you? Just say what you want to say, man. If you're that bad, say it. Better idea. Let's meet somewhere not to fight. So you can look me in the eye and say it. Amen. Don't put some ambiguous... It's the same thing. Do you not understand? Because it's a matter of the heart. Not violent. It's a matter of the heart. No striker. It's literally what it means. But again, the principle is clear. You're to be, be non-violent with your words. You're to be non-violent with your motives. You're to be non-violent with your agendas. Are you still with me? Paul wants to make clear that appointed church leaders aren't supposed to get anything accomplished by using manipulation or force. They're to lead. Continuing on, he says, you can't be a lover of money. He writes it as not greedy. Other translations, and I, and I, and I like them, uh, it says, not given to filthy lucre. See, having money is one thing, and money having you is another. And Paul didn't say you couldn't have money, you couldn't have stuff. You just can't be greedy about it. Amen? Amen? The fine line here is how and why you obtain resources. 
uh, it might be in your worship guide, you'll see it. Lucre just means gain. Filthy lucre means gain that is loved unduly or out of balance. That makes it filthy. Money is only filthy if I make it filthy. Money is only filthy lucre if my attitude and motives are upside down. Amen. And, and, and everybody, everybody always wants to talk about Jesus living in poverty and Jesus didn't have nothing and we need to be like that and sell everything you got. I did, Jesus had a treasurer. You don't need a treasurer if you ain't got nothing. What you going to put in there? <laughs> oh, well, that's, no, that's just a whole other... Your Bible says that if a worker works, he should be rewarded for it. If he's a farmer and he has to till the soil, he, he will reap a harvest. Amen. But then Paul turns a corner here. So he's got all the things that we would say don't. I'm just using that as a placeholder. But then he turns a corner here in verse 8 and then begins to say do. Paul says that a spiritual leader in the church must be hospitable. Hospitable. Now, in Paul's day, this was used to communicate travelers. Opening your door to travelers, to, to prophets, to those going from one point to the other on foot. On foot or on the back of a beast of burden. It, 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 it represented that when it was written. And whereas it does mean that today, it also means we've got to be given to cordially accepting guests in our home. It's quiet in here. You're like, no. We got the kids raised finally. Listen, do you hear that? No, exactly. Being welcoming, being generous. It means to maintain a pleasant, sustaining, receptive environment in your home. Hospitable. I need to pause. The persons might be the most hospitable family we have in this church. And I'm not saying putting down anybody else, but man, have you been to a children's ministry meeting at their house? <laughs> Some of you have, and that's why you're not in children's ministry. <laughs> am I right or am I right? So we, mo we moved them here because we grew so much that it was like Chancey had to lead the, <laughs> lead the meeting by screaming. That's usually not what you want to do. But John reminds us you don't throw your home open to false teachers. If you do, you've partaken in their evil deeds. So you be hospitable. Hospitable. Hospitality is not just an ongoing open door policy. It's an opportunity to be of help. It's an opportunity to create an environment of fellowship and an atmosphere for doing good with your home. And, and FYI, that's a family affair. I've, I've, I've been to people's house who have invited uh, me for whatever reason, and I would go in and I'd sit down and the husband or the wife would disappear. 
It gets awkward like super fast because you want to ask, what? Because it, it wasn't a heavy conversation. What, what, what just happened here? Yeah, it's guess kind of. Hospitality. Then it says to be a lover of good and who love and are drawn to the base and tainted things of the world. And, and that's what they long for. God, help me. You're not yet qualified to be a leader in the church. I didn't say you weren't saved. But the reality is, because we all are a work in progress. Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm number one in line here. But the reality of it is, you've you, you, you got to be a lover of good. You've got to... Man, I'm about to date myself. But way back in the day, Martin Lefebvre and Broken Heart had a song, and all it chanted was, Love God hate sin. That song never became a hit for them. (laughs) Oddly enough, a man who is appointed as a spiritual leader must be a lover of good. The question we need to ask ourselves and the question we need to ask our church leaders is where is your affinity? What are you drawn to? Not where you spend your time. Look up here at me. This is important. Not where you spend your time because you can spend your time in church seven days a week and have an affinity for evil. It's a heart issue. What Paul is pointing out here is is that being lukewarm won't cut it. I mean, be be in or out. Amen? 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 Good and decent and nice and generous people, they can be lukewarm. It, 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 it's, it's really an issue of, of your heart and, and where you are leaning into. You've got to be a lover of good. Now, before you send me an email, I'm not saying we, we don't love sinners. I'm not, I'm not saying that we, you need to have some friends in your life that need Jesus. If you don't, you miss the point of why we are still here. Thank you, Michelle. Oh, you're amen because Rob needs to be saved. Um, He's not here, so I can say that. I can say that. Ah, Edit that out, Eric. That's really important (laughs) Um, that you edit that out. I'm not saying that we don't love the lost and we don't love the broken. Come on, you know I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying to is, what I'm speaking to is, what is your heart leaning? Does it lean towards good or does it lean towards evil? If it leans towards good five days a week and then two days a week, you, you're, not, you're not a lover of good. Look, look I, I wish you had my vantage point. <clears throat> Ask your wife if it's okay that five days a week yeah. And then two days a week, I'm going to lean towards evil. I'll see you on Monday. Ask her if that's okay. Exactly. But yet, we, we ignore the common sense part of the Bible. 
He then says in verse 8, you've got to be sober-minded, and simply put, it just means not flighty. And this is not another reference to alcohol. It's not, trust me. It means you're not reckless, you're not irresponsible. It describes a person who is able to think with clarity. They're not constant jokers. They know how to deal with serious subjects in a serious and effective way. It doesn't mean that they have to be all dried up and have no sense of humor, but it means that you must be able to know when to say what and where and why. Clarity. You, you, you can't cheapen the ministry with foolish behavior. Sober-minded. In the mind of Paul, this was such an important quality in a spiritual leader. He used this word ten times in his letters to Timothy and Titus. Ten times. Count. Not now. Also in verse 8, and I group these together because they go together. He must be just, holy, and self-controlled. He said, Jeff, how do they go together? I don't know how you read the Bible, but I, I kind of always, when I see something that's in an order of things, just like this list, there, there, God is not an accident. Oh, wait, I forgot to add, and then he appends it. It's not, how, it's not how it was done. They were inspired by the Holy Spirit of the living God to pin the words of the Bible. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Just, holy, and self-controlled. Just. It means to be honest, fair, and, 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 and just in all situations towards every man. Every man. Every man. Love justice. Every man. I'm pro every life. Then he says you got to be holy. You pursue holiness. You model holiness. You live a life that is towards God. So you're just in all areas towards men. You're holy as it pertains to God. You are self-controlled in all things at all times. You can't forget to keep checking on you. Look at the progression. This is the beautiful trifold picture of how we should all live, but especially those who lead. It's God. It's, 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 it's God, others, self. It's, 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 it's we got to put others in our front view. we got to put them in our mindset. And, and, and then God has to help us to minister to them. But you can't lose sight of you. Do a spiritual checkup of you. And let me just pause right here and say, if there is something that needs to be gotten right between you and God, or you and an individual, or something that you are just keeping secret, hoping and praying to God it never breaks loose, I'm asking you, repent to your God. Ask for forgiveness, and He will be faithful and just to forgive you of every sin and all unrighteousness. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 9 says he should be sound in faith, holding fast the faithful word. Simply put, a spiritual leader must be sure of the word for himself and his family before he tries to spit it out to somebody else. You've got to be sound in faith. You've got to know what you believe and why you believe it. Amen. 
Otherwise, you'll be easily swayed. Amen? When we use the Word of God with people, man, a, a leader's got to bring it with confidence. Every Christ follower should bring it with confidence and authority, not mixed with some theological suggestions or speculations. We can't have a bunch of loose ideas out there when, we're, when someone comes and asks the question, if you don't know, say, I don't know. And then go to God and go to the Word. Go with whoever it is that is discipling you and get an answer. Amen. Don't compound a problem. You've got to be holding fast the faithful Word. It means that not just that a, a leader will use the Word, that a leader will stick to God's Word. Stay on the course. Stick to the Word. And, and listen, that, that, and I'm not throwing off on it. Hear my heart. In context to our subject today, I'm not talking about uh, adding 10 programs to an already exhausted congregation. I'm not talking about this. What I'm talking about is a leader in a church needs to know how to use effectively the Word of God and not cheapen it by instead of that saying what people want to hear. You have to be sound in faith. If, if, a, if a man or woman is not sound in faith, how can they lead? What are they leading us to? And I'll close. Why does this all need to be said? And why do these requirements have to be in their life? Why does... Why does People who are rising up to be leaders need to have proven godly character because that he may be able by sound doctrine to both exhort and convict those who contradict the word. A leader needs to be able to do two things overall as he leads. He's got to expound, that's the positive, and he's got to expose, that's the negative. To to expound is to proclaim what the Bible says. To expose is to uncover sin as it's called out in Scripture. You're like, well, we don't do that anymore. Well, then let's get back to it because it worked in Galatians, Colossians, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Can I be done? You read those books. There's some pretty harsh exposures in those books. Always the motive being to draw people back to God. Mm, 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 mm. See, see, we get the one part right. Going around exposing sin doesn't change a thing. Doesn't change a thing. Listen, going up to somebody living a broken, hellish life and telling them you're broken and you're living a hellish life you just wasted both y'all's 30 seconds. They know that. I know my faults. You know yours. I don't... I, you don't got to be reminded. Did you, you, nobody had to come to me and give me the revelation that I had horrible anger management skills. <laughs> just, just look at... Heather and Candace is... What's the name of that company that makes those, Mama? The, the little big plastic things. 
Thank you. I kicked the Jesus out of one of those little kitchens one day. Kim's just standing over there. Nice. It's awesome. Now you got to buy him another one. That just made me even more mad at me. You didn't have to remind me that I had anger management issues. But thank God he took the devil out of my temper. Amen. We need to be able to both expound and expose. And when you pray for me, and when you pray for Chancy, and when you pray for other leaders at Living Water, don't start with success in our ministries, please. Start with God help them stay on the course and adhere to these attributes of a godly leader. Pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you so much for Holly and Chansey and their family. I, God, I just thank you so much for what they're doing in the kingdom. God, they're a joy to be around because you are all over them. God, I see your fingerprints on their ministry and the life of their children and the others that they serve and minister to that most people don't even know about. And I pray, God, that you will continue to cause us, whether we are laymen and laywomen in the church or volunteers or, 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 or hold a position, that we would strive to be more like your son, Jesus. That we would use this list as a template to lay over our lives. I'm going to give a short moment of time. If there's something in your life that you need to take to Jesus, I'm just going to ask you, don't be afraid of the quiet. Don't be afraid of the still. And, and the devil's going to try to distract you about one second after I say this. But take a moment. Talk to God. Lift up your name, Jesus. <clears throat> Chancy, if you and Holly and the kids will just come up here. Church, here's what's going to happen. Miss Kim, come up here. What's going to happen is we are... We're going to pray over them. And then it's scriptural that the church comes and prays over them. So we're going to do that. Chancy, I, I always, I only do it because it's, I, I feel it's important. If there's, if there's anything you want to say, I give you the floor to say it. If not, that's totally cool too. I just, if I do say anything, it would be that I am 
so humbled and honored to get to be a part of the body of living water. Amen. And I am thankful for the part that each and every one of you plays in my life as well as in the life of my family. And thank you guys for who you are and what you do for our family. The support that you guys show us, I am so thankful for. And we get excited together as we see God do things through our church. And when God works through his church, it's because the people of God are coming together Amen. to work together. Amen. Amen. It's not just the role of the leader and it's successful if the leader is successful. It's successful when the people of God all come together. Amen. And so, in obviously we're not perfect, our family's not perfect, but we are here to serve you and we are blessed to be honored enough to do that. And so thank you for your guys' support and love. And we we um, crave your encouragement and your support. And we look forward to God continuing to work at our part of his kingdom at Living Water Day Amen. and in our community. So thank you. Amen. Jesse, I, I am so proud of you, man. You and Holly have, you've, you've had to navigate through some difficult things with church. Because church is made up of people. And people, I'll get back to you guys in a second. And, and sometimes it's difficult. And you guys have been so faithful. And I, I'm honored just to be able to just recognize that and have your church recognize that. They already do. It, it, you're no more a servant uh, in 10 minutes than you were. But I want you to know that what you and Holly and your family do is not unnoticed. It's not. I love you, Bob. Love you. So as his spiritual father. This simply just says it certifies that Chansey Persons on this date at this church was officially ordained and his license is coming and he will he will hold this to its highest level. Holly will hold this to its highest level. He ain't any more saved but he is called out. He's set apart and he's separated. It's scriptural. And that's why we do it. Holly, I'll give this to you. Because I know guys lose stuff. As his spiritual father, I want to pray. And I'm going to ask for his folks to come up. His mom and dad, would you come up, sir? Jim, I want you to just join me and Mama as we pray over them. And then after we pray, hey, church, you're going to come and you're going to lay hands on them. If you can't get near them, just get the person in front of you. Dad, I want to ask you to pray first, please. You've raised a good boy. Father God. 
we bow before you as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Father, you've called us to be your ambassadors, to be your spokesperson for you. Amen. As that spokesperson, Lord, we just ask that our will would be in line with your will. Yes, Lord, yes. Father, you've called us to be reconciled to you. Father, we ask that Chansey and Holly would be reconciled to you. Yes, Lord. Help them to put their wills aside. Do what you've called them to do. Amen. Father, we just ask that you would endow him with wisdom from you. Amen. That your Holy Spirit would rest firmly upon him, directing his thoughts and his actions. Lord, we ask that you would bless his speech, that it would spread truth, the truth that you brought forth through your word. Father, we just ask that you would endow him with strength Amen. to endure Amen. the difficult times. Father, they come, and you alone can sustain us through those dry times. Yes. Father, we just commit them unto you and ask your blessing upon their lives. And Lord, there's been no greater joy than to see our And Lord, joy you brought in my heart because of Chansey and Holly, Lord, is great. Yes, but you're our spiritual father. Lord, Amen. we just ask that we might be joy in your sight. Amen. And bring Amen. joy and laughter to you mm. and in your courts. Amen. Father, we Thank just commit you. this time unto you and ask your strength and blessing upon us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Father, first and foremost, I thank you for your amazing grace and your tender mercy. Father, I, I thank you for the privilege and opportunity to stand by and support and set apart this man. But God, we know that, that it's a family commitment. Lord, I thank you for Holly. And God, she is so strong. And God, I, I, I thank you for the children. God, they, they're amazing. Lord, I, I specifically thank you for the encouragement that Abigail is to me. She comes to tell me that was a good sermon, Pastor. And I love you. That's all I need. God, we commit this family into sacred ministry of leading the church. God, we don't even know what tomorrow brings. But today, we recognize and we celebrate the move that you are doing in their life. Thank you for the honor to ordain and set apart this family. In the powerful, unchanging name of Jesus, we pray these things. Now, church, join me as we 
pray over this family. Come on, don't take all day. Come on, let's go. Mm. Ain't a person in this room that's not been touched by this family. Come on in here, Glenn. Chancey, I know your heads are bowed as people file out of their seats and come down to this altar. Just know here's your support. They believe in you. They believe in what you're doing. And we will support you and your family as you move forward in your call. Church, I ask you to lift up your voice and pray for this family. Let's be as a concert before the Lord. Let's lift our prayers as we recognize and honor them in Jesus' name. Our Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, for men and women that they are. God, we thank you for Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus. Lift you up, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus. God, give me wisdom as I try to lead them. We ask you to just, just prosper them. Just fill them with your spirit, God. And I, I ask, Lord Jesus, as they walk in their giftings and their callings, Lord, that power, power would be so evident, the power of the Holy Ghost. God, go before them, make the crooked ways straight, high places low and the low places high. Give them momentum. Give them strength to carry on. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for sending this family to Living Wire. We love you, Jesus. And it's in your powerful healing, unchanging name that is above every other name that we pray these things. And the church said, Amen. give God a shout of praise in the crowd. You can, take, you can take whatever time you need or want and just come and talk to Holly and Chancey. You're dismissed. God bless you. I'll see you.